Seinfeld, the bris is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And here are the two guys who are about to get into more than just the tip of this one. I'm Rob Cicero. Here's the Kiva Winokur. Kiva, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you, Rob? Oh, very good. Very excited to be back with you once again to talk about the fifth episode of season five of Seinfeld. It's exciting. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, I said that season five was my favorite season so far. Like, I, it's even better than season four, I had said. But I wasn't talking about this episode in particular. <laughs> okay. So last week, we had a lot of fun talking about the sniffing account. And here we go, talking about the bris today. Of course, a lot going on here. Jerry and Elaine become godparents of a child that they kind of barely know the parents of. And... They are responsible for putting on a bris. We have a sort of a wacky moil, which comes into the picture. Am I saying that correctly? Moil? Yeah, you're saying it right. And then uh, we also have a lot of business going on at the hospital with Kramer and an alleged pig man. Yeah, we don't want to get sued. You got to say alleged. (laughs) An alleged pig man. So that's what's going on here back on October 14th, 1993. Exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, I, this episode has aged perfectly in 22 years. <laughs> <laughs> so Akiva, how was your week this week? Uh, my week was uh, really good. You know, I, I, any week that the Mets win basically every game they play that week is a good week. Yeah. So I, I, I never want to jinx it because we record. I know this comes these- out a few days later. The Mets could be on like a five game losing streak and people are like, what are they talking about? Maybe he's being sarcastic. Right. We record this on a Thursday this week. So who knows by the time people hear it on the weekend or whenever they listen to it in the archives, how things ultimately worked out. But for right now, we're feeling good. Yeah. Nothing is wrong in the world right now. <laughs> Everything is good as far as uh, the Mets are going. All right, Akiva, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a Seinfeld trivia question. No, boy, I'm dreading it. Ready for this? Yeah. Jerry suggests what alternative phrase to God bless you if you want to make someone feel better after they sneeze? That's uh, you are so good looking. That is correct. But for bonus points, what episode is it from? Um, I'm... Off the top of my head, I don't remember. An episode we did relatively recently. Relatively, yeah. Some, somewhere along the way. And I don't know it either, but I bet we could probably, if we put our heads together, we could think about it and figure it out. But that would probably be a boring podcast. We'll just, we'll just spend the hour Googling things. <laughs> uh, it was from the Good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. There you go. All right, let's get into this. Let's talk about the Briss going back to October 14th, 1993, written by Larry Charles. And we start off with Jerry stand up talking about that when you go to the hospital, they always tell you to lie down. They never tell you to lean against something. But then if you've been shot, they tell you to sit down. I don't know, Akiva, was this something that really stood out to you as being pretty wacky when you go to the hospital, they tell you to lie down? Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, I haven't gone to the hospital too many times as a patient, but I guess you're lying down a lot in the hospital. Like, you, There's never like you know, option A is like lie down in the bed, but even if you don't want to, like what is there maybe if you're lucky, like another chair there, but then the other person with you would be using it. Yeah, what are the choices? There aren't a lot. There's no like a lounge if you're a patient that you could just like chill. I mean, I guess there is, but like usually they want you in your room in case, you know, they have to give you medicine or your meals or whatever. It's like, I know you just had surgery, but instead of having you lie down, we have this treadmill desk we'd like you to go (laughs) ahead and start working from. 
You would be doing that. You'd be podcasting from the yes. hospital. Yes. And then also Jerry talks about how in a surgical setup in the hospital, he says it's sort of like a TV newsroom where the main doctor is like the head anchor and then he throws it to the nurse who's like... He also goes into like a diversity thing, but then he doesn't complete the diversity thing. So I wasn't quite sure what he was talking about. Yeah, I don't think this really holds up here. I think that a lot of people would be saying, why does it have to be a man? Why does he have to throw it to a woman? Why is the orderly sports and weather? So I don't know if this was one that really stood the test of time. No, I don't think so. So we start off in the hospital and we meet Stan and Myra, who are friends of Jerry and Elaine, and they have a new baby, Steven. Friends we're going to use very loosely, as we're going to find out soon. Yeah. And apparently Myra is breastfeeding right in front of Jerry and Elaine, and like Stan is like really into this. He's like, isn't this great? Yeah, and I guess it's their first kid, so they're, you know, you get excited about everything when it's your first kid. Yeah, so... Number two or three comes along, you're not, but... I, I do like I guess this holds up in the sense that like people still get uncomfortable, right? Right. But then the people who are uncomfortable sort of get shamed. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with it, man. But well, there's nothing wrong with it, Jerry. I think like both sides can agree. It's like there's nothing wrong with it, and of course, like you should be allowed to to like nurse in public, but I'm also allowed to like be uncomfortable and not want to look at it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're welcome to do it. Of like I'm never gonna try and stop you. But uh, it, like he says, it's like, yeah, it's just like your wife with her, you know, your your friend's wife with his sh- with her shirt off, like right in front of you. It's a little <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, Jerry is definitely uncomfortable. And based on what we know about George, you would think that George would be paying more attention to this, right? Yeah, but uh, listen, the only thing he likes more than that is uh, parking spots. <laughs> yeah, he's very proud of the parking spot that he got. And he wants to hold the baby up to the window so the baby can see the parking spot, too. <laughs> I, I do I, like I, I mean you almost think like the first time someone would watch this episode they'd be like oh George is going to drop the baby out the window you would think so yeah so they're also looking for Kramer and so Kramer they gave him the instructions for the room 1397 but we see Kramer is up on the 19th floor and he's wandering around and you know, a guy walks past him looking for the elevator Kramer points him in the right direction more on that story to come And we see that Kramer then wanders into somebody's room, I guess, because he spots some hospital food nearby. Uh, Yeah, And who could turn down free hospital food? Well, do you think that is a Kramer thing that he would eat the hospital food? Because it feels like more of a George or at least a Newman thing to me. Yeah, George and Newman. Well, Newman would take like the candy or whatever. Like, I don't know how much candy there is, but like, you know, whatever the sort of like non protein is off this. I think George would, too. Like Kramer, the thing is like, we don't know how much money he has. Like, maybe he's just actually hungry. (laughs) is that a possibility listen maybe the drug trade is you know is not doing so well this week yeah i mean he only will eat certain fruit from joe's it seems like kramer is a little bit of a food snob seems weird that he would be eating the hospital food but we'll go with it and so we find out that kramer runs into somebody he's horrified by what he sees the person that we will later come to know as the pig man allegedly allegedly (laughs) allegedly all right so We come back to the hospital room and we see Jerry and Elaine and they're going to be the godparents of this baby, Stephen. And so they are responsible for throwing this bris and finding a moil. Now, Akiva, tell me, is this canon? Does Seinfeld get this right? Is it really the job of the anointed godparents to set everything up here? All right. So first of all, there are no godparents in Judaism. I've never met like any person 
uh, Orthodox or otherwise, who has godparents. Okay. Um, like, do you, I mean, are, do you have godparents? Like, yes. are you a godparent? Uh, I am. Not, nobody has liked me enough to make me a godparent. Oh, by, if, by the way, if anyone is listening and wants to make Rob the godparent, I'm sure he'd be up for that. That's fine. <laughs> am I in charge of arranging a circumcision? Yeah, ideally, if you're a Gentile, I think that would that would be better for Rob. He doesn't want to handle your bris. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants, I'll get trained. I could do the circumcision. Could you really? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like a degree. I think like any I see. I think anybody could basically do it if they take some classes or something. Yeah, it's outpatient stuff. Um, But yeah, no. So I it's sort of like it's it's the parents responsibility. Maybe you could pawn this off if you're like super overwhelmed because it's you know, it's only a week after you have the baby. You could put you could pawn it off on one of your parents to take care of. Yeah. But um, no, it's like completely insane to ask these people, especially if you're like over the top parents, like why would you want these lunatics you barely know, like handling your, your, you know, mole, uh, sort of like, uh, mm. responsibilities, especially like asking like, who knows if Elaine's ever been to a bris? Like she's not even Jewish. At least that's Jerry. Yeah. Now you say mole and they say moil in the episode and I said moil and you said that was fine. How I said, should I be saying mole? No, the way they say it in the episode is, uh, moil. Yes. They're like putting in like a, an extra Y. The word is spelled M-O-H-E-L. Okay. So I would say Moel, but I'm just like swallowing it a little bit. Like I'm just saying it, you know, quickly. But you're fine. I think either way is fine. Moel is fine. Moel is, uh, is pretty funny. It's fine too. Can the Moel be a man or a woman? Sure. We, um, if you remember, we had a uh, Seinfeld writer on earlier uh, in the series. And he told us that his wife, who is a doctor, is also a uh, Moel. Okay. And remember, she had uh, she had Parkinson's. He was telling yes, us that yes, she yes, has, yes, yes. So, and so is the mole a doctor or is this a religious uh, person? Um, it can it can be either one. I think the it's it's just if you are a doctor, I think it's incredibly easy to become a mole, right? Yes. Uh, you know, so it's it's it, you know it's sort of like lo, not heavy lifting um, to become one, but uh, it's generally um, from what I've seen. It's generally someone who looks more like a rabbi. Okay. But doesn't actually have to be a rabbi. (laughs) So we also set up here that Jerry's going to be the godfather. There are a litany of godfather impressions, Marlon Brando impressions that Jerry does throughout the episode. Did the godfather humor hold up for you, Akiva? And have you even seen the godfather? Yeah, I've seen one and two. I don't believe I've ever had the misfortune of seeing the third one. Yeah. But of course I've seen godfather one and two. Um, it doesn't hold up. It's not even really supposed to be funny. Like I think the idea, and again, going along with the theme that Jerry's a bad actor is like that. It's supposed to be really bad. And I think like at the end, Kramer's Godfather is supposed to be much better than Jerry's, but I, I could be reading that wrong. Yeah. And then it's a long way to go. I think to get to that closing gag of that sort of echoes the final scene of the Godfather where the door is closing and you know, they're in with Kramer. And so I think that it's a lot of setup for that one joke at the end. Yeah, it leads nowhere. Like yeah. a lot of things in this episode. I feel like it's a lot of trying to recapture what they did with JFK, where they did like that whole recreation of that other scene. And I think it's fine, but I feel like it's a little forced when the show tries to get that meta. Right. And it's good also because like if this had worked, then they would have gone to like every early 90s or late or not that the Godfather was early 90s, but I guess Godfather 3 was right. Like every early 90s movie like JFK or they would have had like Dancing with Wolves next. It would have been terrible. 
We also find out in this scene that Kramer is against the circumcision. He does not want Stephen to be circumcised. Yeah, I th- it's funny because I, I don't I think this maybe was a radical opinion like 25 years ago, but now is becoming more mainstream, right? There's a lot of people who are anti-circumcision. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that it's really picking up steam. Right. So I think I think like at the time it was just Kramer being Kramer. Yeah. But now now this is like, oh, you know, it's like a, but it, it works. It's like a funny sort of like, uh, you know, opposition that Kramer's like so against it. Yeah. And I think is the implication that Kramer is not circumcised. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think that the show uh, had it either way, but I would not be surprised to learn that fact if that were. Maybe he was, but he got like re-uncircumcised. I don't know if that's a thing. (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is a thing. Yeah. All right. So we see also that (laughs) there's a bunch of people milling around George's car and he doesn't really know why. He's so impressed with his parking job. He doesn't know why people are all milling around. And there's a guy up on the roof who's going to jump Kramer, which I think has ends up being a little on the nose. Hey, that's the guy I told to go up in the elevator. And it turns out that he jumps. Yeah. And Kramer didn't do anything wrong by telling the guy where the elevator was. I, I feel like the guy would have figured it out on his own. Now, did the guy die that jumped on George's car? Yeah, I believe he did. Because George's car, when we see it later in the episode, seems to be in pretty decent shape. Yeah, he just really damages the roof. And that it's like coming in on their heads. A little bit, but it's it's not even like a major dent. It's basically, it's like a, if you drop like a brick off the building, maybe it would do that to the roof. But you would think that the whole top of the car would be caved in, right? Well, didn't we just talk last week about like what happens if you drop a penny off the Empire State Building? Right. Is there a little of that or no? Maybe there's none of that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I think that the acceleration... Do we have a, a Seinfeld physicist out there? Um, my, my friend is a physicist, but I'm not sure if he listens. We're going to have to ask him separately. Yeah. And so we have to see if, uh, what would actually happen. But it seems like the car would be completely totaled and covered in blood. And not to get too graphic, if somebody jumped off the roof onto George's car and landed right on top of it. Like, you would, would think agree. the windshield would be completely destroyed. Like, you would think that that would not be a drivable vehicle. I would, I would tend to agree. 20 floors is a lot of floors. Yeah. I mean, George's car was sort of like if somebody just, like, threw a garbage can up on top of the, the roof. Or was, like, jumping on it, and they were really fat for, like, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we go back to Jerry's apartment, and we find out that it's up to Elaine to find the moil. And there's a little bit of talk that Elaine is sort of uncomfortable about this, this whole procedure. And one of the things that I feel like is sort of odd about the episode, and they end up with this Moyle who's sort of a lunatic, but there's no real explanation of why they end up getting this guy. Elaine even says, I think, oh, he came highly recommended. But I feel like it would have helped explain why they get this guy if it was either Elaine was trying to be cheap or Elaine was half-assing it, or Elaine left it to the last minute. There's no real good rhyme or reason why this guy shows up, and Elaine says he came highly recommended, and that this is who they got. Yeah, and there's no deleted scenes, so it's not like they cut it out, but maybe it was like a scene that was originally in the script and didn't make it, right? Because we assume it came from the phone book, because that's what she's looking through, right? Yes. But like maybe she was being cheap, maybe actually someone recommended it, and they sort of like somehow had that cut out and couldn't squeeze it back into the episode. 
Yeah. But uh, and also, do, do Elaine and Jerry have to pay for them all? That's not that's not clear. I'm not exactly sure. But I feel like the formula for Seinfeld is our four principal characters are bad people. And when they try to do things because of their own negative characteristics, they're cheap, they're lazy, they're bad friends. It seems like Elaine really did try to do the right thing. She was put in a situation where she didn't know what to do. So she looked to the phone book. Again, it's 1993. She's not going to go on Google. There's no Yelp or anything like that. And she ends up finding the person that she says came highly recommended or at least had the best ad in the Yellow Pages, as far as we can tell. And the guy turns up to be a lunatic again with no rhyme or reason as to why he's a lunatic or what his deal is as a character. So I feel like this whole storyline of the wacky moil is a little out there for me. Especially since she went on a mole interview. So if it was this guy, she would have known right away that he's crazy and would not have hired him, right? You would think so, unless he just was having an off day this day. No, this is a very, this is like an off life almost. An off life. How much do you think it costs to, to have a, a mole? In 1993 or? No, in, I don't know 93. Let's do 2015. 2015? My how friend much? Simcha the mole, uh, how much it costs to, to you know, get a mole? I would say $500. Yeah, that's a good guess. He said, it depends on the mole's experience. You get more money for being an expert mole yeah. or popularity. But he'd ballpark it somewhere between four and six hundred dollars and going up to a thousand for like a superstar. Wow. But he says moles are not allowed to ask for money. They're just doing it because it's a good deed. The law says that, you, you know, you're not allowed to say like, oh, I won't do it for less than X. Like you're allowed to accept payment, but you're not allowed to ask for a specific amount. Okay, and then what do you do? It's like, do you just like tip the guy at the end or the or the woman and, and just say like you just hand them an envelope? Is that what it is? Well, what I, well, I had a, I had a son, uh, last year and I, I just used, still um, have one. I had it. Yeah. But there was only, he only had one brace. <laughs> yes. And we, uh, we just used the guy that my neighbor used who's a doctor. And I figured like, you know, who he would, it would be fine, but I didn't know what to pay him. And my neighbor had twin boys. So like, do I pay him half of what my neighbor paid? You know, mm. but, but like, he's only showing up for one brace. It's just an extra like two seconds of his time. Right. It's not like a lot of extra work to, to like cut the second baby. Right. So do I pay him half? Do I pay him the same? Like two thirds? I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope I paid him. I don't remember what. I mean, I did. I don't remember what I paid. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly. I forget if it was either uh, when my son was baptized or when we got married, like you had to pay money to the church, but they just gave you like the suggested donation of what it was. Sure, But like, they like sneer at you probably if you give less than the suggested <laughs> donation yeah it's like going to a museum and it's like suggest the 25 You're like all right i'll give you five bucks like yeah like it's you're free like, you around with the security guard we're not charging anything but he, we suggest that you give us this much money well i'm never giving more than the suggested thing also it's like a tip you know when they when they add like the 18 percent or the 20 percent in a restaurant it's like okay but i'm not giving i might have given more for great service but now i'm not because you forced me into this <laughs> forced me into this so there's a little bit of talk about if elaine has ever uh seen anybody uncircumcised she was not crazy about it there was no personality <laughs> it was yeah it was uh, it was like an alien she says yeah like a martian <laughs> so george is also upset he is trying to get reimbursed by the hospital about the suicide jumper which i don't know george doesn't seem that out of line to me Oh, yeah. Mrs. Swedler, the hospital administrator, is completely out of line. I mean, 
I don't know if we've just entered a more litigious society or the fact that I know for a fact we've entered a more litigious society, but I feel like that George's do some damages here. Yeah, we should. I guess we should have had Chester. I don't know. Maybe he has something in the comments, but Ch- Chester, the lawyer on this case, I think he's he's a guest of the hospital and it's completely negligent, you know, on the hospital's part. It makes no sense that they would laugh him out of the office. And just to get into sort of like the out of the breaking the fourth wall commentary of Seinfeld. And as it progresses, we're going to probably, I think, reach the tipping point in terms of the uh, lawsuits, in terms of like people suing for things. And it's going to be mentioned in Seinfeld where we have the hot coffee McDonald's thing where Kramer is going to be suing about the hot coffee. And that's really going to be, I think, a tipping point in sort of all these court cases of people suing for stuff. And I think we get to where George would have sued the hospital about this, right? Yeah, they just Jackie Charles is not in the picture yet. But yeah, I think you're right. The coffee case was like an example people used to joke about in real life because it happened a few times. with. And also just I know we're going to get an email on this that I and the person like really was very badly burned. It was like sort of like talked about like the most frivolous lawsuit. Like somebody got sued. Sure, it was like Jay Leno would do like 10 jokes a night about it. Yeah, hot coffee. But like the person actually like got like terribly burned. And right now it's a no brainer. But back then it was considered like the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, this is somebody jumped on the car. (laughs) (laughs) ruin the car although in fairness i'll say from what the hospital's perspective the car does not appear to be that badly damaged well but she didn't even see it maybe i would think the argument is oh the car wasn't on city property wasn't on our property like you know yes he jumped but you know maybe sue the city does that make sense yeah maybe it was such a good spot outside the hospital he didn't have to go in the valet or not the valet but the parking garage for the hospital and he sort of saved like the 13 bucks they charge you at the hospital that he just was getting meter parking outside of the hospital yeah because if you like trip on the street or if someone falls on you in the street you're suing the city not necessarily like the person you know yeah but if this is 2015 george is suing somebody for this i suing both the city and the hospital yeah so here comes Kramer. And again, we've seen Kramer before in the episode, but first time walking into the apartment, big ovation for Kramer. And he says, aha, see, the hospital was doing DNA research. This proves that there's a pig man. Right. But he finds the article and he's definitive about being correct, but it doesn't say anything about the pig man in the article. The military Akiva is creating an army of pig men, according to Kramer. Which to George is the greatest news ever. Yes, because then women would date him and say, well, at least he's not a pig man. And then they get into a whole thing about like, well, women would like the pig man. Maybe they wouldn't. Yeah. Is pig man the politically correct term? You think it's like pig American or something? (laughs) Well, I think. Why is it a man? Why can't it be like, I'm sure there would be pig women also. Is it is it pig person? Oh, that's probably that's probably pig person. Yeah. I think I, this whole thing is really one of the weaker scenes we've had in like many, many months. Uh, <laughs> the whole storyline about the pig man? Well, yeah, but in particular, this scene, it like really, I, I like had to fast forward it like three, rewind like three different times just because like I, I wasn't even paying attention during this scene. It, it really like Elaine starts complaining about them complaining and it gets a little like. <laughs> no, uh, I did think that was funny leave. where Elaine is going to be leaving to go and uh, investigate the Moyle stuff. And they're like, what, you're leaving? And she's like, you know what? Maybe could you tape the pig man conversation? And then when I come back, I could listen to it. I did think that was funny. Mm. And again, here's Kramer talking about how 
He is anti-circumcision. He says that it makes lovemaking more pleasurable. And George says, who cares? <laughs> and George also, we find out that his roommate in college was uncircumcised and they wanted to know how he felt about that. And George said he got used to it. Yeah. And also, uh, didn't George go to Queens College? Like, what kind of roommate did he have? He was living at home with his parents, probably. So the commuter school. <laughs> so it was his dad. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> was that it? <laughs> you might be right. It might have been Frank. Right? He's a, he went to a commuter college. Like, he wasn't dorming. Some people do, like, get an apartment near Queens College, but not someone cheap like George. Either that, or is George's college roommate a nudist? I mean, how often did he see his college roommate naked? Yeah, that's a little unusual also. Maybe they, like, they had one bathroom with no curtain or something. <laughs> and no door? No door. <laughs> I guess so. Well, you know, the, these guys are, they're going, like, they're all showering together at the health club and stuff like this. So maybe there's, like, some pickup basketball going on. Who knows? Yeah, I guess they could have been at the gym or something. Yeah. Anyway, so we go back to the hospital. We see Jerry and Kramer. Kramer is looking for the pig man. He doesn't believe him. He wants to see it for himself. Yeah. And so they're going to get ready to, if they have to get the pig man out of there, he's going to uh, get get a ride in George's car. Kramer's sort of arguing with him about it. He says, hey, if you need a ride, the pig man would give you a ride. And so Kramer goes off to go look for the pig man. Yeah, this really leads somewhere. <laughs> so we see George with the hospital administrator. And the hospital administrator is going on and on about, like, the terrible tragedy of the guy who committed suicide. There were kids watching. There were kids they watching. They thought he was flying. They thought he was flying. And this is another one of those times on Seinfeld where, like, some, like, nobody character ends up getting a lot of dialogue. And as we said, I think it was last week, that it typically is really good. Uh, yeah, right. She's right. Again, someone we never see again. But yeah, she's really she holds her own with George. But I do think this scene like uh, maybe goes on a little too long or I don't know. It didn't work for me. Yeah. So they talk about how the guy landed on the car and if, if he had had a convertible, it would have been a different story. But he's bald. And then we get into the woman saying, like, well, she knows bald men that had convertibles. Yeah, so that is kind of a funny back and forth. Where she's like, oh no, but then and George is like, oh, but you got to wear a hat. You got to tuck the hat down. Yeah, so George claims the hospital is liable and he has an estimate. He says the car is undrivable. Now we see them driving the car throughout the rest of the episode. Yeah, but George is a liar. <laughs> and basically she's like, get out. Get out of my office. Get out of my office. And that's really it for this story. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. And also it's like, She's like, oh, a person died. It's like, yeah, a crazy person who I never met. Like, it's not even so, like, uh, insensitive of George to be caring about this. Like, the person died maybe yesterday, maybe a few days ago. That You know, it was a lunatic who George never met. Why is he supposed to be mourning this and not, you know, not, like, if he can't drive his car, he can't drive his car. Concerned about his car, right. So Jerry and Kramer are still on the hunt for the pig man and we see a doctor and Kramer like starts like getting up in this guy's face about how where's the pig man because he goes up to the pig man's room and he's not there anymore and Kramer's like hey where is this guy where is he you know oink oink and the doctor has no idea what Kramer's talking about. Doctor's playing dumb. He's playing dumb. He eventually says I think he's been released. Well he just wants Kramer to get away from him. Yes. And so Kramer is like, aha, he's lying to me. And he goes off. And then we end up going to commercial on Jerry being like, uh, Kramer, wait, where are you going? 
like a real like sort of like a Scooby Doo type uh, cliffhanger. It is a Scooby Doo cliffhanger. <laughs> All right, so we come back to Jerry and Elaine at the Briss, ready to go. Jerry is nervous, and Elaine is not really thrilled either. Well, they're confused, like for the first time. Like, why are we the godparents? We don't really know him. We just play softball together. Yeah, they play softball together. Jerry's the pitcher and Stan is the catcher. And Elaine feels like, well, don't the pitcher and the catcher have some sort of a rapport? Isn't this like a Bull Durham thing? And so Jerry says, no, this is slow pitch softball. He never has to shake off the catcher and the catcher never comes out to the mound. So he feels like this is not actually a close relationship. Different sport. Yes. Jerry feels like they're level jumping. Akiva, are they level jumping? Oh, they're jumping from like zero to a thousand. Now, nobody really seemed to get upset with Keith Hernandez when he was level jumping. Keith Hernandez can level jump. These like nerdy, you know, people who are, you know, super into their kid in the bris. So they can't level jump. Stand in you can level room. jump. You can level jump like Hernandez is up. He's jumping down almost <laughs> to be with Jerry. Whereas here, these people are trying to jump up. <laughs> so Jerry's a celebrity. Like compared to these people, they're nobodies. Yeah. George is talking to a woman and is asking her, like, hey, first bris. And she says it is. And he says to her, well, if you get woozy, you know, you can lean on him. And she's like, well, I'm a cardiologist. Yeah. By the way, when I go to uh, bris, I'm never near the uh, the splash zone. I'm never near. There's a splash you know, zone? No, there's no splash zone. It's not like SeaWorld. But I'm never near. I'm never like I'm not looking at what's going on. Why would blood- anybody? There's people who are like very into like, I don't know like what they're doing, but they're people like want to be up close, whatever. Like the only time I was ever up close was when it was my, when it was my kid. Yeah, First only of all, you had to be, you had to be, I was stuck up there. <laughs> I had to say had to tell them the name, but I think the key is like, you get to the back of the room. Usually it's done in a synagogue, not in the house, Yeah, but you get to the back of the room and usually like the food is in a separate room, like some sort of, you know, like uh like catering hall or dining room. Yeah. So you want to get out of there fast and get to the bagels quickly. Yes. So you because the food is usually after. Not here. They're eating beforehand. But does it have to be bagels? Does it have to be? Is it like always like some sort of a brunch? It's usually done in the mornings or afternoon. So, yeah, it it doesn't have to be bagels, but that's that's there's no like law. But I feel like traditionally you have like a lot of bagels and locks and stuff like that. Boy, I love bagels. I feel like maybe I should try to get invited to some these brisses. Yeah. And my key is here's what you do. You go down. You beat everyone downstairs because you weren't, you know, near it. You weren't near like the actual circumcision and, you know, everyone else is milling around. They want to see the baby. They want to, you know, you know, wish you a mazel tov. And Mm -hmm. I'm downstairs. I get the bagel. You eat the bagel. Then when you sit down with everyone, you go for your second bagel and you're like, oh, I'm not a pig. I'm just eating. But nobody knows you have a pig man. Yeah. And then here's and here's like a really gross move that I'll pull. (laughs) So you eat your bagel. Then you take another bagel, which in everyone's mind is your second bagel. Right. Yeah. But this is your lunch. You're like, oh, I don't need to like pack lunch for work or whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to put tuna on this. You're going one to lunch bite. after the bris. Well, let's say it's in the morning. A lot of times like at eight and nine in the morning. OK, so so you take one bite you of the bagel and you're like, a bris oh, on a weekday. You, ha- you have the bris when a- the eighth day, you know, oh. you're, you're stuck. It could be on a weekday. Yeah, that's that's another super annoying thing. Like someone has one and it's like, oh, I got to go to like New Jersey at 640 a.m. Because like before work, it's, they're very inconvenient. You have to be like, maybe that's why like Jerry, you know, gets picked. Like the first 10 people asked were like, sorry, I can't come. Right. I got to work. <laughs> I have a day job. 
I have it. I, yeah, I'm going to get fired. This is my eighth Brits this week. But so you 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 have the third bagel. You take one bite. And you're like, oh, I'm not hungry anymore. And now you t- you've taken that for lunch. You can't just like pack up food and take it. That's gross, right? I guess but once so. you've taken a bite from it, you can wrap it up. Is there any hot bris. food at a bris or just a bagel? Yeah, no. A lot of times you'll have like uh, lasagna and ziti oh. and stuff like that. If you know, if the people are really springing for, I don't think I don't think our buddies here sprung for anything that no, good. I don't but think uh, so. Yeah, in general, you could get some hot food. <laughs> a lot of good pastries, usually, also. Yeah. Uh, so Kramer is really working on Myra, trying to get her to not do the circumcision. It's against it. Makes her cry. Vehemently against it. And so here comes the moil, and then now we're just into uh, crazy time with the moil. Like, the door slams, like, ridiculously loud, and the moil, like, jumps and almost nearly has a heart attack. He also first he enters and he's like, "Hi, I'm the mole." Doesn't say his name, which is like, would someone come in like, "I'm the doctor," "I'm the," you know, "I'm the cop," right? <laughs> like you don't, you like, no, you introduce yourself like a human being first. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's very upset when the baby is crying. He doesn't want the baby to cry. He doesn't like the neighborhood that Stan and Myra live in. But that's always like a classy move to complain about the neighborhood that people live in in front of them. Yeah, and then he gets really on Elaine's case. Uh, it turns out that we don't know if Elaine respects wood or not, but he does not like how she leaves her glass near the edge of the table, just waiting to get knocked over. Yeah. And this is something that happens on curb like a few times also, right? Where like people are always concerned about like the, the, the stain that the glass makes uh, on the glass table and stuff like that. He's very concerned about this. He says, this is a bris, not a burlesque show. <laughs> I, this mole is like, I, he clearly took a lot of cocaine right before he walked in the room, right? <laughs> he says he could have been a kosher butcher like his brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real family business. Yeah. And so we find out that Jerry has to hold the baby and there is going to be a little bit of uh, business with Kramer stealing the baby. And then they go and they grab him and they get him set up. But the next scene we see is that the Moyle circumcised Jerry's finger. Yeah. And by the way, the, the, the baby holder is always the grandparent. Not mm. which is it's the job is called the Sandek, not not the godfather or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, I, there's not always a, a living grandparent, of course, but like. These people really have nobody. Like they have no friends to be godparents. There's clearly they have no parents between them. So not doing great. Yeah. Is the baby like going nuts during the uh, procedure or the baby is sort of it's pretty calm. Baby, I think, is usually calm until or again, it's eight days. So it's like not even super loud or anything like it's not as loud. I don't think baby's cry is usually as loud as. Uh, you know, the fake cry on the show here. Yeah. But I, it's usually, obviously, I mean, after it gets cut, it cries, but I, they give it like a lot of stuff, I think. Okay. So we see Jerry in the car and uh, we see how the condition of the car, it, it looks like just like the top of the roof, like the upholstery is like hanging down, but it doesn't look like the roof is really too dented in. Um, it, it, it's like dented enough that they kind of have to duck their heads to drive yeah, them. I feel like that's more like, it seems like the upholstery is damaged. Right, right. They like knock that down to like their head level. <laughs> right. And so Jerry flinched, supposedly. The baby is fine. They were taking the baby to the hospital. Like, this is weird, though. The baby is fine, but they're taking it to the hospital anyway. Well, they're taking the baby to the hospital just so they could have one more scene with the mole and Jerry and the parents, right? Yes, yes. So they need to get some more uh, stitches in Jerry's finger. And George is worried that Jerry's bleeding all over the car, but 
They're all happy when George finds another great spot in front of the building. More on yeah, that and way. by the way, you like Jerry, you know, Jerry's getting blamed here for like, uh, you know, the, the, the holding job. Yes. You know, he's like, he's like Finkel or Einhorn as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, Dan Marino. Yeah. I guess he's the, he's the Dan Marino here, right? Yes. In Ace Ventura. But, but I, and I think in real life they hold the knees. Like there's really no way for them to screw up. Yeah. There's, there's a very light lifting. That's why it's a grandparent who wouldn't be trusted to like do anything, you know, serious. It could be like a 90 year old person sometimes. <laughs> so we go into the hospital and uh, there's some complaining about the moil. There's a one in a million moil. And uh, Elaine is very sorry about what happened. We see Kramer goes to go off and uh, look for the pig man. George goes off to look for the bathroom. Jerry and Elaine confront the moil. Yeah, I think uh, like why is the mo- like the mole should be getting out of dodge? Why is the mole like if the I guess because the baby's not okay? I guess it's reasonable for him to be there, but like why is the why is the mole here? Like uh, you know, like getting trash talking with Jerry in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that Jerry says, uh, "Where'd you get your degree from? A matchbook?" And then he calls him Butcher Boy and Shaky then, uh, the mole. <laughs> And he tries to see, he like, like, uh, jumps at him. He's like, ah, see, you flinched. <laughs> you flinched. Don't threaten me, butcher boy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Stan and Myra break up the fight between Jerry and the Moyle. They don't want any fighting over this bris. Yeah, no. It, like, it's already been a big enough disaster. <laughs> All right. And then at this point, we see Kramer run through with seemingly the pig man on his back. Yeah, you don't get a great look at what's going on. You don't see a great look. So we go back to Jerry's apartment. Jerry can't open up a jar because of his finger circumcision. And we also uh, get a little bit more of Jerry's godfather impression. By the way, do you think that's what really happened to Jason Pierre-Paul? Yeah. JPP? He was the mole at a bris and he just <laughs> no, screwed he up. Was, he was the godfather of a baby. Uh, he was the god, And like he doesn't want people to know that he's like... He's the flincher. It wasn't the mole's fault. Yeah, because he'll lose all sort of respect from the other players in the NFL if they find out, like, what? JPP <laughs> is a flincher? Yeah, he well, fainted at the bris. Then people are going to think he's always going to go off sides. They're not going to play him. Yes, yes. But what, he's like, oh, like my career. You, you could ruined. get a celebrity like baby holder for right. brisses. Like all the opposing quarterbacks know I'm a flincher. They're going to be able to call me off sides. They'll do all these like fake hut, 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 oh, off sides. So we got to make up this whole fireworks story. So let, like, let's say hypothetically you didn't have any friends, right? <laughs> why why and, is this hypothetical? And you like, let's say, you know, you have, you both have parents, but let's say none of them wanted to fly out. It was like your fourth kid. They're not interested anymore. Right. Yeah. So like, so now you could get this, a celebrity baby holder. Who would you choose? I could choose anybody. And, well, yeah. But I anybody. have no friends. Like, I feel like if I, right, have- that's why you can't pick a friend. So now you're getting like, a celebrity will come. It's like a make-a-wish for Briss. Just, is it almost, who are you picking? Well, does it have to be like a, a former Survivor player or something like that? Like somebody that no, actually have access yeah, to? No, them. It could be like David Wright. <laughs> well, and, and this is Would just, it be Yoannis Cespedes? He doesn't speak any English is the problem. Yeah. So I, I just have anybody just to hold the baby. That's what Jason Pierre-Paul was doing. He was a celebrity baby holder. That's yeah. how he got hurt. Boy, that would be good. Well, not Jerry Seinfeld. He's a flincher. Yeah, definitely don't get Jerry. <laughs> and don't get Kramer. He'll run away with the baby. <laughs> run away with the baby. Also, like the mother wasn't nearly mad enough at Kramer. Like Kramer steals the baby and starts running and then it flips over. and no, like Jerry She was impressed. She was impressed with him. 
like most like at that point, the mother literally kills. Right. It's a ba- is someone who had a baby eight days ago. Right. So they're probably not in like. Right. You know, like 100 percent. And they, they like literally they they steal the knife from the mole and they go at it right there. <laughs> Kramer proved how much he cared about the baby. We'll see. So we find out that the pig man who is not a pig man at all, but a person who was a mental patient at the hospital. Just like a short, like five foot mental patient. <laughs> who did squeal like a pig, unmistakably. Yeah, but he's like a little crazy. So maybe he thinks he's a pig. People he he's Maybe pig people man. called him pig. He got bullied and now he thinks he's actually a pig. Okay, he stole the car. <laughs> but how did he steal the car when he was on Kramer's back? Like, did he get off of Kramer's back? Was Kramer an accomplice? I'm not, maybe like Kramer said, oh, hey, let's uh, drive. And then like he pulled a knife on him or something. I don't know. Right. Kramer did say he was going to drive away with him. So maybe Kramer like ran into Joe's, you know, to get some fruit or, or well, I guess he's banned from Joe's, but something like that. Okay. And so here comes Stan and Myra. They tell Jerry and Elaine they're out as godparents. And this is really a victory for Jerry and Elaine, right? Yeah, this is very good. Do they get reimbursed from paying for the moil? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. So now they're out more money? Out more. We put it on Jerry's tab. 500 bucks, at least divided by two. And they want Kramer to be the new godfather because he showed how much he cared about little Steven. But there's no godmother. There's no godmother. No. And so uh, then we have the scene which is then Kramer doing Marlon Brando impressions and he goes into the apartment and the door closes like the end of The Godfather. Yeah, and I do think Kramer's impression is a lot better than Jerry's, but sure. still. Sure, of course it is. <laughs> like that should come to a surprise to nobody. And then we also, then at the end of the episode, I feel like we have a little bit of a depressing stand-up where Jerry talks about how Nothing really surprises him in terms of like whatever horrible job because there's always somebody that's desperate enough to do it because <laughs> when people don't have jobs, it's not that they can't find anything. It's just that, that there's, they have certain things that they're not willing to clean up. Which is, I think is true. Like everyone has jobs that like, oh no, that's beneath me or like that's, I'd rather have no job and be homeless than do that job. Yeah. So people just have too high standards. Or maybe it's reasonable. Like, I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, for some people, like they wouldn't do, you know, they wouldn't. I don't, you know, different people's standards, I guess, are way different. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So that is the bris, Akiva. Oh, boy. <laughs> Wait, can I give you I didn't give you. Can I give you a couple of tweets? Yes. One bris related. Yes. So at I see Dave said, without question, Charles Levin playing the mole in the bris episode is one of my favorite one time characters ever. How many Twitter followers for Charles Levin? Oh, boy. Oh, Charles Levin. I don't know if he has any Twitter followers. This is, uh, this is the, Usually the guy who tweeted you know that if, stuff right off the bat. Oh, I checked. Yeah. He, he wasn't there. He, okay. he stopped acting in like the nineties. Um, I, it's unclear what happened to him. I did search, but it didn't look like it was going anywhere. Charles Levin also, there's probably like a hundred of them on Twitter. Yeah. It's a generic enough name. I believe he's actually uh, and, a kosher butcher now. <laughs> probably. And uh, at Chooch he's serving up on, American salami left and right. Uh, Yes. Uh, and yelling at people probably who order who call it uh, baloney. Yeah. At Chooch tweeted, uh, Jerry Seinfeld eulogizing my funeral. What's the deal with massive heart failure? Okay, those were tweets about Seinfeld. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right, Kiva, if this was 2015, we talked about how Kramer's views on circumcision would probably be much more accepted. Um, I feel like the security at the hospital, I feel like, would be a lot tighter. Yeah, I do think a Manhattan hospital now, like, 
you know, I had a baby in a city hospital and like, first of all, the, you know, the babies are like literally, I mean, probably by you and probably everywhere now, like are really tracked. You know, if you go past like a certain line, like even in the baby ward, some alarm goes off and people come running. Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal. And, and yeah, there's a lot of security. It's, it's, it's a Manhattan hospital. Like they're not messing around. Also, Elaine would be able to get a better review, I feel like. Could you get a Moyle review on Yelp? So I was looking on Yelp for Moyle reviews because I was asking my friend Simcha the Mole how like, people would find a Moyle nowadays if they don't know one, right? Because there's, yeah. no there's no more Yellow Pages, right? Or there's no right. more phone book, whatever. Uh, so he said, yeah, so we were looking on Yelp. And I, could I found many Moyle reviews, but I couldn't find a mole review that wasn't five stars i thought it'd be funny to find like a one star mole review and like what happened yeah, there? i'm looking on yelp right now they're all five star reviews all five stars i uh, looked a lot here's one circumcision it was one but it was a bad it was like logistic it was stupid it, it was like uh <laughs> yeah it I'm was not. like they answered the phone stupidly and then the guy responds like oh they're a competitor blah 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 blah, blah. yeah so he didn't actually like cut off because a one star review would have to be like uh you know like this guy like yeah uh you know the mole the unnamed mole from this episode would be you know, he'd get one star, but, it, yeah. you know, or it'd have to be someone who really like messed up and, you know, <laughs> okay. they had to like redo the mold. So surgery. I'm looking on Yelp. And uh, so there's the uh, there's this one place. I, I, I won't say uh, where it is, but it's a clinic. It's not a person. So they have uh, four reviews. Three of them are five stars, but one is a one star review. And they say, I called this place up because of the Yelp information. Some guy answered the phone who sounded like a punk 18-year-old kid and answered the phone unprofessionally saying, yeah, I thought I reached the wrong number. But in fact, I reached the clinic of some sort and they said that their prices for circumcision on a newborn depend. Depend on what? Circumcision is circumcision. I was given a price range of $350 to $750. Well, that's quite a range. Who's ever heard of a $750 circumcision? If you can't speak professionally to a customer, then you don't get my business. In addition, I was contacted by the company threatening to sue me and take me to court as a result of my review here on Yelp. And instead of apologizing and taking my review as a means to improve their customer relations. Think about it. If a place is so rude, disrespectful, and threatening to sue you, why on earth would I want to take my precious newborn child to them and have them circumcised? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. this sounds like one of our one star itunes reviews yeah. <laughs> my simcha uh the mole found, it was probably left by that same guy who gave us two stars right <laughs> that guy. he he sent me one uh that, it was on some parenting blog he found it wasn't on yelp but it said uh moral of the story the equipment works just fine but below the service i found this personality to be overwhelming as a new mother in an emotionally fraught place i would have liked to be given the option to not watch the preparation the rabbi follows traditional practices and involved binding the baby's legs together I wasn't emotionally prepared for this, and I had an incredibly difficult time watching the process. I also felt there was too much humor, and it went on for too long. And, you wow. know, those rabbis love to throw in the jokes there. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> hold on, is this, a great is this, job, the, but I don't is this know our if I iTunes review, or this is back to the moil? Oh, this, is, uh, this is both. This guy copied and pasted an <laughs> iTunes review for us and, uh, and a uh, moil review on a parenting blog. <laughs> she wouldn't use them again if they had another baby. Yeah. All right. Akiva, so tell us, what are the rankings? for the bris um okay so uh the bottom uh 16 episodes were all seasons one two and then the beginning of season three there was the no the dog the truth the note um but uh this is the lowest episode we have left this is episode 153 okay the, 
the worst one. Uh, there is not a worse episode yet to come. Wow. Why? Do you have it higher? I mean, to me, it's a lot of dead ends. No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just that the fact that this is the lowest episode left on the board. It's good. I mean, it, it's only uphill from here. But I think so many dead ends, uh, a few scenes that were like a little cringy, like a little boring. Uh, the pig man doesn't really go anywhere. The tying together with like, they chose the Godfather to tie it together. It wasn't great. I guess if so, I bet there are people like I read that tweet who love the mole probably like this episode as like a regular decent episode. But did you love him? I, I certainly don't care for no, him. No, I did not care for him. I thought, again, he was one note. I thought he was over the top and he was over the top without any explanation. Just like we talked about, it was probably uh, two episodes ago where we had where Anna Gunn came in and Anna Gunn just really wanted air conditioning. But there was no background of why is she all about air conditioning and then here's the the mall he just comes in and he's just crazy and there's really no explanation as to why he has this character trait yeah they could have tied it together like i said it looks like he's like on a you know some sort of drug binge so like maybe if the pig man had given him drugs or something i don't know like there had to be a reason why you know he comes in and he's like so explosive yeah. Um. I don't like. I don't know. He to me. He's. He's. Do you think they said like be as over the top as humanly possible, or do you think the actor chose to play it this way? I think that the script probably called for it. So I think that there probably wasn't too many choices of the way that he could have gone. I mean, I think he could have been just more deadpan. But this is a guy. I think they wanted him to be like sort of like jumpy. Like basically, he's like very high energy and not really what you're looking for. In sort of somebody who's doing a surgical procedure. You want sort of more of a steady Eddie. Yeah, you want, you, yeah, you, with a mo, like you want a funny guy or a crazy guy for like, uh, to be your butcher, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, right, like butcher. maybe, but uh, his brother would have been great. But yeah, here you want, you're right, you don't want someone who's going to make a big scene. All right, let's get to the email. Seinfeld at post show recap. We get our email every week here. And why don't we start with Johnny DeSilvera, who wants to let us know. Akiva, you know that, that the discovery of the Pigman in the hospital parodies the British film Oh Lucky Man? Of course I know. First of all, I'm impressed that we have a celebrity, a reality TV star like Johnny emailing in. <laughs> Why, Johnny DiSavera was on a reality show? Yeah, he was on uh, First Dates Canada. He went on a first date. Uh, it was very entertaining. Okay, this is recently? Uh, yeah, I think it aired like a week or two ago. Oh, if you could watch it, if you... If you, if you, uh, it's, you have to be in Canada, but if you, if you have Hola, or I think you like to pronounce it Hala. Yes. Right. And you switch your Hola to Canada and you Google it. I think you'll find that you'll be able to watch it. I think he's episode two. Johnny also says that George says that he's not the type of man to buy a convertible because of his baldness. Yet one season later in the mom and pop store, he buys John Voight's 1989 LeBaron convertible. That's true. But it was John Voight's car. It's a little different. (laughs) It's Angelina Jolie's stepfather. Okay. Or real father, I never remember. Yes. And then also, he says that, I don't know if you two realize, but George is driving the gang to the hospital, but uh, George's car is in park the entire time. Boy, how how does Johnny know that? Well, maybe that's one of the things that the jumper did. The car is stuck in park. (laughs) They're just going downhill? Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's actually driving, but you don't know, like, when it's going to stop because it's locked in the park. Okay. This is an email from Stephanie who says, I've been waiting for the podcast to get to this episode so that I could write this email. There is not one Seinfeld that angers me more than one of the plot points in this episode. In fact, every time it's on TV, whoever's in the room with me has to hear my feelings about it. 
What do you think and it what is? What plot point is that? I'm going to say uh, that found the abris out of the uh, yellow pages. The mole out of the yellow No, pages. Stephanie says, it's ridiculous that the hospital would not feel it's their responsibility to pay for damages to George's car. It seems that scene is put in the episode to make George look like he's trying to benefit from somebody else's misfortune. However, isn't the hospital's responsibility to make sure their patients aren't jumping off the roof? Why do they even have access to the roof? Shouldn't there be better monitoring of the patients in the psych unit? Wouldn't the hospital have an insurance policy that would cover this sort of thing? I think George is correct for once. This one should be a no-brainer. Well, we are with you, Stephanie. Yes, although a little bit, like you say, we're applying, uh, you know, 2015 logic to a 1993 situation. Kaya has an email who says, I think we can all agree that Bob Sacamano is the Sid Finch of the Seinfeld universe. Both are notable and bizarre characters. Uh, Finch only wore one shoe when he was pitching, learned yoga in Tibet. While Bob Sacamano had a botched hernia operation, had rabies, sold replica Russian hats made of Nutria, and they both created a lot of buzz. <laughs> they both turned out to be big phonies. Are, are you aware of the Sid Finch? Yeah, of course. He's, uh, Sid Finch, I guess, for the listeners who don't know, is a famous uh, April Fool's joke from Sports Illustrated. <laughs> yeah. Right? Well, he like threw like 137 miles an hour. Yes. Right. He was like the real, he was like the fake uh, Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> All right. So Amir is also wants to talk about Bob Sacamano. Uh, he says, I didn't have want to have to continue the Bob Sacamano discussion, but Akiva's uh, desperate Sadie Hawkins maneuver forced me into it. In the chicken roasters, Jerry, now living in Kramer's apartment, speaks directly to Bob Sacamano, where he informs him that he sells Russian hats down at Battery Park. Additionally, since Elaine actually goes and buys one, I'd imagine she meets him as well. So Amir oh is saying Bob Sacamano is real, not like Sid Finch. So we never we never see him. Jerry says he speaks to him on the phone, but it could be Kramer pretending to be Bob Sacamano. It could be an imposter. Like, again, when we see Bob and I know we will not, I'll believe it. But until then, it's just a, you know, he's just a figment of everyone's imagination. How does she know that she bought it from Bob Sacamano? I'm sure she went to the Russian hat guy in Battery Park and Lane's like, oh, are you Bob Sacamano? I want to buy a hat. And the guy's like, sure, I'm Bob Sacamano. Buy my hat. And again, the red menace from Kenny Rogers Roasters might have made Jerry also insane. It's true. It's yeah. I mean, he was he was living in Kramer's apartment. Like, who knows what was going on there? Okay, and then also Mir says this is the perfect example of an episode that doesn't necessarily work as a whole, but the individual parts are greater than the actual sum. While I don't think the overall story was great, the Godfather references didn't land, and the connection to these friends didn't make much sense. And there were some phenomenal pieces, such as the mole, and then also the classic Kramer conspiracy theory. And George marveling over the perfect spot. All hilarious tidbits that end up making this episode memorable. So Amir is a thumbs up on the breasts. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to agree to disagree with him here. You know what's interesting also? Like, this is, you know, we talked in the first, like, episode or two about how, like, one of the big criticisms of the season one of Seinfeld was it was, like, so Jewy, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really hasn't been, but this is, like, a very inside, like, Jewish baseball type episode, right? Like, yes. who knew what a bris was before this episode, no? You think that they really brought awareness to this? Uh, I, think, I think they definitely helped, like, with the... But, but my point is, like, when Curb does, like, Inside Jew Baseball, and Larry is really the more knowledgeable guy in that department, for sure. I don't think... Way more than Jerry. And they'll do, like, super specific things, and they'll, like, completely knock it out of the park. And for whatever reason, Seinfeld just went, like, you know, the cartoon character here, or the rabbi who, like, spills the beans about everybody, right? Yeah. So... You know, so uh, for whatever reason, they don't hit it like uh, like Curb did. And then from Chester, he wants to know, is the Moyle 
the worst overactor in Seinfeld history. Oh boy. I mean, we weren't a fan of, uh, of the guy in the stranded, right? <laughs> the guy in the stranded or what was it? Hornick. Was that the guy from Yeah, Hornick in, in mail and bonding? We weren't a fan of, I mean, the fact that we're conjuring up Joel Hornick. Yeah. Is not if you're good. in Hornick territory, you're not doing great. It's not good. If that's your closest comp, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> And then also Chester wants to know, is Akiva going to get a plug in for the 32 fans podcast, which is now switching to a once a week format. Please let people know in the first 10 minutes of the Cardinals Eagles episode, we have a good Moyle slash Briss story. Yeah, he does tell along by good. It means I, I kept trying to get him to finish it, but <laughs> yeah, we did. We recorded the last, uh, the last episode. We did a bunch this week. We did, uh, the Patriots with, uh, with, uh, Rob as a podcast patron, uh, Michael Clark. We did, uh, we did, uh, you know, the last three teams, and I made a shocking Super Bowl prediction. Oh, wow. And you're going I'll to do weekly? Here. You're going weekly now? I think maybe for a couple more weeks. I think maybe because we did, we predicted the Lions, which is what Bill Simmons did. So I think uh, maybe until Bill Simmons comes back October 1st. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how Chester behaves. Okay. Wow. <laughs> and where can we find the 32 Fans podcast? You, you search uh, 32 Fans in 32 Days on iTunes or tinyurl.com slash 32 fans. Okay. And the podcast will continue even though the name is now not what it is. Right. Even though the name has no, well, <laughs> 32 fans in 32 days will now right. not, not consist convince of, it. To, we'll switch it to like 365 days. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, if, if we have fun talking about football, we, we're going to, if we have these conversations anyway, we, we may as well tape it yeah. and have, you know, half of them get recorded by the, uh, just don't get caught the, up in the details. It's fine. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if, uh, you know, hopefully it'll continue. Yeah. And then one other email that came in, this is from Adrian from Ireland about last week's episode about the sniffing accountant who says concerning Elaine adding exclamation points to Jake Jarmel's script. I think it was definitely to try to screw Jake Jarmel over. She was making it out like the script needed extra exclamation points, but they clearly didn't. Also, Michael Richards scene in the bar with the cigarette and the drink is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in Seinfeld. The thing with putting the lit end of the cigarette in his mouth was great. And he repeated this later in the run for the reverse people with a cigar. <laughs> Ta-ta for now. So another vote for Elaine screwed over Jake Jarmel. Yeah, and it, it you know, I, I appreciate the sniffing count a little bit more after this week because they're both kind of lumped together as like the weakest episodes in season five. But it was just so much stronger than this episode. Okay. All right. So, Kiva, here we go. What is the hashtag for this episode? Um, I don't know. Something Pigman related? <laughs> something about mole? <laughs> How about pig person? All right. Pig person is good. Pig person is good. <laughs> All right. What's up next week? Okay. Next week, we've got a very famous episode. We have the lip reader. We've got Marley, Mat Marley Matlin reading people's lips at a party. Uh, in chaos ensues. We've got uh, Kramer and Monica Sellis having an uh, unfortunate run-in. Uh, it's a fun episode. Okay. Can't wait for it next week. Akiva, are you ready for our one-star <laughs> moil and circumcision review of the week on iTunes? Oh, we didn't get another bad review, did we? Akiva, we are up to 100 ratings in the iTunes store. We did it! Oh, the fans did it. Did I promise anything? I don't think I did in I the end. I think you said that you were going to podcast topless if we got to 100 ratings. Oh, first of all, I believe that's what you did this week. <laughs> and how were how, how the uh, reactions to Not podcasting good. their shirt Not off? Not good. Now, did people say you should keep your shirt on or, yes. or was it just too much chaos? Was your wife annoyed? No, everybody was, everybody was uh, sickened. And, uh, oh, yeah. Did all three of you guys uh, take your shirts off or just you? 
this is on a different this was a different podcast. This was a different podcast, and, and uh, there was a just a very very long story that has nothing to do with this uh, short that we were doing a podcast, which is a video podcast on a different website called Blab.im, and people can give you like thumbs up and give you a number. And one of the people on the podcast had a heat rash and did not have a shirt on. And they said, when are you going to take your shirt off? And I said, well, oh, when I have a hundred thousand, uh, you know, likes on my thing, figuring that that would be a mathematical impossibility because that is, you don't get that high. And then, uh, like people really like uh bum rushed me. It was like a flash mob of, and then I was ultimately <laughs> the flasher. I think the lesson is like never make a promise where you don't stand to gain anything from it right, if you lose. Right. Like at least like if I don't get it, then you will have to send me fifty dollars. Like that would be at least you know there's upside to that deal. Right. Like you could have got burned on that when you told people you'd give them a dollar if they didn't like review. That's true, but I, I knew the product was so good that they would like it. Okay. All right. So here are some of the five star reviews of the week. These come to us on our iTunes page at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes. <laughs> This is from uh, Paul, who says, uh, this podcast about nothing is really something. Says, uh, really enjoy the podcast, love the discussion, and the sprinkling in of sports and pop culture. The podcast is definitely master of their domain. Also, best of luck with the Jets this year. I'm a lifelong Saints fan. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Keep up the great work, and I look forward to many more podcasts. Oh, when I needed a Saints fan, where was that guy? (laughs) <laughs> and then also a must for any Seinfeld fan. That's from Fusili Jerry, who says, as a longtime fan of Seinfeld, the podcast has single-handedly gotten me hooked on the podcast. Rob and Akiva have great chemistry and their insightful and humorous discussion of the greatest 90s sitcom ever never disappoints. I look forward to following this podcast journey to the end and hope to hear more from these two for many years to come, Akiva. Oh, man. Well, at least two more years. We're, I think we're under the two-year mark at this point. Wow. I think we're, we're, we're penciling like August 2017 at Mendy's for our finale. Yes. And finally, another one. Uh, this is from uh, Burgess who says, I've been an RHAP fan for years. Rob and Akiva do a great job every week of making a show old enough to get served a drink at the bar, fresh and relevant. I look forward to the podcast every week. And that's no American salami. You think that's Becky Burgess? <laughs> Probably not. Probably okay. not. All right. Good stuff, Akiva. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keeve26. I am at Rob Cistrino. Uh, thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does a great job editing the show every week, and to Mike Moore, who writes our fantastic episode recaps on postshowrecaps.com. Keith, anything else before we sign off? No, I'm excited for the lip reader. All right, very excited. Talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.